I found her father with a CM of 232. It's a long story because at the very beginning, I had two possible men that I thought was, was my bio father. When the test results came back, I cried. There are moments when you're very young that create an impression on you. I remember him so clearly because he was just like the ideal grandfather. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Heritage Hunters. Today, we'll be hearing about adoption stories and how DNA has helped reunite families. Joining us today is Greg Markway from Kansas. Greg is a licensed psychologist with an interest in genealogy. Greg's interest was sparked by the life of his paternal grandfather. Greg's grandfather, Joseph Markway, was on board one of the orphan trains in the early 1900s. The orphan train movement was a welfare program that transported orphan children from cities in the east to foster homes in the rural Midwest between 1854 and 1929. Approximately 250,000 children were relocated. Although it was stated that these children were orphaned or abandoned or in some other way abused, most children were of recent immigrants, the poor and destitute families living in the cities. These were not philanthropic acts for these children. Many were used as child labor in households and farms. The children faced prejudice as many rural people viewed them with suspicion. The Orphan Train Heritage Society of America preserves the history of the Orphan Train era. I remember him so clearly because he was just like the ideal grandfather. He was fun to be around, came to every single one of my Little League baseball games. Every time he visited, he had something to give me. But I think, you know, I never would have known about all that he had been through in his life based on what I knew of him. But from an early age, I knew he had been on the orphan train, and it was almost like a point of pride within the family. But I didn't really know what that meant as a kid. But somehow I was always interested in finding out more. And about three or four years ago, I don't know what happened, but it came out of the blue. I'd probably seen one of the commercials for Ancestry that, you know, learn more about your heritage. And it occurred to me that maybe I would be able to find out who his parents were. He had been born in New York and he came to central Missouri at age five on an orphan train from the New York family home. Our whole family had always wanted to know more, but we didn't know it was possible and tell DNA. And so I thought maybe now was the time. And I realized if I didn't look now, the DNA is getting more diluted every generation. So if I didn't look now, we might never find the answer. When I first did the DNA test, I was hopeful that maybe I would find somebody with his name. We knew that his original name, or we thought we knew, was that his name was Joseph Aner, A-N-E-R. And I kind of hoped that maybe when I did the DNA test, there would be somebody with that name, but there wasn't. Like, there is no one with that name. And the name is very rare. Later, I found out that was not his name. That was not even the name he was given at the founding home. The name he was given at the founding home was our A-U-E-R. So somebody had misread a transcription. When, when he came on the orphan train to Missouri, 
he had a name tag and I still have that name tag he wore on that train. And it's hard to tell in cursive if it was A-N-E-R or A-U-E-R. But once I was searching through New York birth records and I kept searching Aner and didn't find anything. And then one time I just tried using a wildcard character in the search and up popped a Joseph Auer who was born one day different from what we had always thought of as his birthday. That just seemed to be too much of a coincidence. And we didn't find his that name anywhere else. So that name appeared to have disappeared. So that made me think maybe that was him. Which DNA company did you test with? I started with Ancestry as the first one. I found the Facebook group DNA Detectives. And so I followed their recommendations of starting with Ancestry because it has the largest database. Uploaded my DNA to MyHeritage and Family Tree DNA and GEDmatch and eventually tested also with 23andMe and also did a Y DNA test with Family Tree DNA. So I did a little of everything. Did the Y DNA test give you any results? It was interesting because I first tested I believe at uh, like the Y67 level. And I had like four matches. They were relatively distant, but two of the names of those four matches, the surname was Van Stone. And in all of my research I'd been working on, I found um, some connections to a family named Van Sten. And so as best I could tell, it appeared to be the same name, perhaps changed over time. That seemed to be too much of a coincidence for a fairly rare name. So what that told me is that the Van Sten was probably my great grandfather. I didn't know if it was on the maternal side or the paternal side, but that helped me narrow it down to most likely the paternal side. That's amazing. An adoption story that has stayed with me is the story of Edward Galland, David Kelman, and Robert Schaffron. These identical triplets were separated at birth and adopted out to different families. Bobby Schaffron discovered he had a twin when he went to college. The students on campus thought he was his brother, Eddie Galland. The two met, and after much publicity, the story reached the third brother, David Kelman. It's an amazing, gripping, and emotional story that you can watch on the 2018 documentary, Three Identical Strangers. Your grandfather was adopted, obviously. And were you able to make any headway with living members, you know, members of, of your generation with meeting up with them through DNA or what have you? Yeah, that was really interesting. I found one woman who her family tree online didn't really tell me much. It only went back a couple generations and there weren't any names that were familiar. She was someone who responded to messages and initially she was kind of cautious in her responses. And finally, I asked her if she had any connection to the Van Sten family and she said yes. And so she gave me some other information for a possible family tree. And it's funny because I actually then was able to connect her with someone that was more closely related to her than she was to me. They were second cousins and they ended up visiting each other. And this woman, I ended up visiting her in Colorado. She was a wonderful, fascinating lady. And she had some old family photos, not 
directly related to my line of the family. Um, but it was just so fascinating to see those photos and knowing right. there was some connection to me. Uh, so she was the first connection. Later on down the line, I found a family that had some connections, but it was so bizarre to me because I was looking at them and on their Facebook page. And I was seeing that somehow they were connected to the church I grew up in and the high school I went to, even though this family, I was, as I tried to trace them, they were out of New York. So somehow they were connected to my high school in a kind of city of 40,000 people in central Missouri. Um, and it turns out that my half second cousin had eventually migrated to central Missouri and he was a state legislator. And when I started reading researching him, I recognized some of the stories about him because I'd read about him in the news. So it just seemed kind of amazing that he had gone from New York City to a city of 40,000 in central Missouri, just like my grandfather had. Wow, that it surely is a small world, isn't it? Very much that, so. That gives off a very serendipitous feel to me, kind of led to the right place at the right time. That's amazing. It felt like somehow we were supposed to connect. And right. it, it was interesting, too, because I'd been living in St. Louis, and then recently moved back to Jefferson City, Missouri. And this half second cousin left Jefferson City, Missouri the same month I moved back. So I haven't actually met him yet. But we've communicated quite a bit on the phone. And I have to say, he was incredibly gracious when I approached him on the phone or by email about the story. I was given his email address by another family member, and I contacted him. And he responded to me within 20 minutes, um, which is one of those things that doesn't happen real often in this type of work. I think one of the reasons he may have responded so quickly was as I was putting together the information, I wasn't just looking for names and dates. I was trying to understand possibly what happened, what was the story, what was the background of the people involved. And the more I learned, the more I learned about the New York Foundling Home, where babies who ended up there may have come from, the more I the more I realized that there was probably a very difficult story involved in my grandfather's birth. My grandfather's mother uh, went on to marry. Uh, the family ended up having probably, a, I don't know, relatively comfortable lifestyle, uh, if there was such a thing living through the Great Depression and other events. But I sort of developed some empathy for the woman who gave a baby up to the foundling home. The more I thought about that, it had to be very difficult. I don't know what the circumstances were, his conception coming, you know, and this basically single woman having a baby at a time when the only jobs available to women pretty much were being a teacher, a nurse, or a servant. Um, and having a baby would have prevented her from successfully working in any of those areas. So, you know, the more I thought about it, she must have been impoverished and and I can only imagine how difficult it is to give up a child. And I think the more I thought about this, I wrote up this story and I put it on my blog and I shared that with possible relatives. And I think I think it brought about a positive response because, you know, sometimes people think of a child being born out of wedlock. They think of that as being a shameful event. 
And I was approaching it more, you know, trying to have some empathy for the woman. As a psychologist, I think I was also driven by just the concept of, you know, what is our identity? Who are we? Where do we come from? My dissertation in graduate school was on how do we develop a sense of identity. And I don't think it was an accident that I had that interest um, because in some ways, my grandfather didn't know where he came from. And there was a part of our family story that was just missing. Did your grandfather, um, because he was an adoptee and knew he was adopted, did he have a very strong Wrong, a very strong need to make his family as tight-knit as possible. Part of my grandfather's history, okay, he was born in 1896, came to Missouri, small farming community in 1901. And essentially the community he came to, the primary language was German. So they were still speaking German in that community. And so I know he picked up some of the language there. He was very tight knit with other people who rode on that train because a small community took in 30 some kids off of that one train. So he was not the only one. These people maintained some contact through their entire life. And you know, the orphan trains, it's estimated that there's about a quarter of a million kids who took orphan trains, primarily going west from Boston and New York, more from New York. And so it's estimated that there are several million descendants of orphan trains. Now, it's interesting because I think my, my grandfather always wanted to know about his origins, but I don't know to what degree he talked about that with his own kids kids. I found some things that I know that my grandfather knew that my father never knew. So I don't think my grandfather talked about everything. I think he, from what I've learned, he clearly had a need to know himself. He sought out answers. I have discovered that he went back to New York when he was in his 20s. He went back to the New York family to try to get some answers. And I have since found out he did get some answers that not all the family knew about. So for example, as I went through all of my searching, and it, it took me almost three years to find some answers as to who his parents were, I was obsessed, I put in so much work. And then after I found all the answers, I had an uncle who died, and he still had some records from my grandfather. And in those records was a letter from the New York family home telling my grandfather his mother's name. So wow. I never knew any of this, but it confirmed what I found. I think my grandfather grandfather told my brother once that he thought that his mom's name was Abby Doyle. And of course, I'm a couple of years into searching when my brother tells me this. And I, but my brother wasn't exactly sure of that. But he, my older brother, he had this memory. My older brother did a lot of stuff with my grandfather. They had some interests in common. They were both mechanically inclined. And my grandfather had been an auto mechanic. And so, you know, different members of the family may have heard different parts of the story. And so I took all that information, somehow it all clicked together, fit the puzzle. To hear more about the fascinating story of Greg Markway's grandfather, please visit www.markwayblog.com. That's www.markwayblog.com. Thanks so much for being here today, Greg. February 8, 2022, at 7 p.m., the Genealogical Society of Bergen County, New Jersey is hosting Sending Love, Valentine's Greetings, 1900-1910. Roses are red, violets are blue. Learn about Valentine's Day greetings from a history point of view. We hope you'll join guest speaker Anthony Cavo at the Schoolhouse Museum in Ridgewood, New Jersey, 
as he shows some Valentine's Day greeting cards from the 1900 to 1910. You'll learn about the significance of these greeting cards and how they tell a story from that time period. Please be sure to visit the website of the Genealogical Society of Bergen County, New Jersey for additional information. Gus Fricker from Florida joined Tom Kecklin and I recently to tell us his adoption story and how he found Tom through DNA matches on 23andMe. Going back, there are moments when you're very young that create an impression on you. And when I was five years old, we were at a family outing and there were several people there that I didn't know, but they were also cousins, aunts, uncles. And they were, everybody was doting on me. Oh, let Gus play, but he get up at bad. Let Gus do this. And I'm surprised because <laughs> that was very unusual. And then a little later on, uh, I was introduced to these people talking German. I didn't know what the heck they were saying. And um, my grandmother, my adopted grandmother, um, said, oh, das ist the Großvater. Das ist the Großvater. And I didn't know what she was saying. Uh, and then he, he proceeded to give me a haircut, like a military haircut. But I never never heard anything more about that. Some years later, an aunt uh, said, told me happy birthday, and it wasn't my birthday. I thought today was his birthday. She says, no, that's when we got him. So that's, that struck a chord on me, too. And then I, I had heard the name Pecklin several times and uh, it didn't really matter later on i did hear from some other people that i was adopted definitely it was implied that i shouldn't ask and in the 1970s i went down to the new york city uh, health department and i was looking for my original birth certificate and uh, i was able to get into the archive room and take out the book for my date and I didn't know my last name. I couldn't find a Kecklin in there. And so I, I just searched for all Gustavs. And I came up with one that was Gustav Schuster. And I, I assume that sounded like something I should know. But it, as it turned out, it was bogus. I was not unable at that time to get any information. So I wrote to the state of New York. And they gave me a case number and everything. And... They sent me non-identifiable information. They just told me her uh, mother and father, my mother and father's date of, um, date of birth, and um, very little else. I don't remember. It was very. Didn't they tell I wasn't you that your, your father was a seaman? Yes, yes, that's correct. That was the. Uh, she, my mother was the housekeeper, and uh, my father was a seaman. One bit of information I got from a cousin, my grandparents, just before the war, went back to Germany. And uh, I believe he was in the Air Force, the German Air Force. Finally, uh, I, I went to the dentist one day, and I was they were asking identify, identifying information and stuff like that from me. And I said, I don't have any. I said, I was adopted. So the girl behind the desk said, oh, isn't that something... I was adopted, and I went on 23 and Me, and they're very good. So it faded a little bit, but I did. Eventually, I went on 23 and Me and Ancestry. 
and I did find, <laughs> I found Tom. And Tom's been terrific. He's, he's actually opened up my life. Well, and this thing is said that they had found, he had heard of the name Kecklin mm-hmm. with no recommendation, you know, no, nothing attached to it. Mm-hmm. So I went back in my records and I figured that the only one that came over from Germany and went to New York was Anna. Mm-hmm. And that's the young lady that is, is his mom. Right. And then yes. Anna is who to you, Tom? She's my great aunt. So your grandfather's sister. I called him. Okay. And I told him, I said, I know who your mother is. And he started to cry. <laughs> he did. It was, it was just amazing. It's just, just amazing. Because all, those years. all these he, he said, all these years I've been looking for my mother. And he says, you call me up and, and tell me who she is. So, Gus, yeah. when, you, when you got Tom's call, what did you think? I, I, I was breathless. I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't, basically didn't know what to say, you know. <laughs> Um, I let him do most of the talking. I said to him, I, was, I told him, I said, Gus, I'm going to get on a plane, I'm going to fly down, and you and I are going to go out to dinner and we're going to talk, and, and then I'm going to go and home again. And he said, no, 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 you that, stay four or five days, we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And he brought a lot of, a lot of information. And I brought um, you a picture of your mother. Pictures, uh, uh, unbelievable amount of information, things that I never even... Uh, knew about, and uh, also then on ancestry, I found another relative. Um, Sherry, yes, out in uh, Oklahoma or in uh, that, Oregon. And that's you right. Found the young lady in in Germany too, the Zilka. Yes, yes, that's another one. And of course, uh, untold thousands of third, fourth, fifth cousins. You, you, right. you absolutely have a family now. Yes, yes. I'm Reber. I'm un- I am unable to find any information about, other than a shipping. Uh, I think Tom gave it to me mm-hmm. uh, in the ship ship uh, registry, yeah. stating uh, my mother and um, Fred, my father, and his brother all came down at the, uh, came to the United States at the same time. They were horticulturists. It turned out they lived near me on Long Island after he had died, my father had died, um, and I moved to Florida, and she lived only 25 miles from my home right here, because I eventually moved to Florida also after I retired. Right. Gus, I don't think we've ever really determined that Fred was your father. Well, we, we no. We do know that, that Anna was your mother. Yes. I got a, a communication from a woman on Ancestry that said she's a first cousin. So I, co- I got in contact with her, and we went over all of the names that I knew. You know, Sherry, uh, uh, Tom, Reaver, Tricker, anything that I could remember. And she and she said she knew nothing of those names. She'd never heard them before. I, I even sent her pictures of myself. And she said, you know, you, you look a little bit like my uncle. Gus, what was, what was your first impression of Tom when you finally met him face to face? Did you feel like you knew him forever or was it awkward? Yeah. I did. I, he's got a very good personality. You know, he's very easy to get along with. We had a lot of uh, discussions and he explained a lot to me. 
some probably some of them I've, I've probably forgotten already. <laughs> uh, but he he gave me so much information. I have everything stored in the box here, and uh, occasionally I go through it to refresh my memory. When Tom was down here in Florida, we found out where Anna was buried. Anna and Fred both. We went went to the cemetery, and we also went to her last residence. And, and I have we a picture of you and I standing in the driveway of her house. Yes, yes, right. right. I tell that you, I w I'd like to have met her. She seems like a very interesting young lady. February 15th, the Historical Society of Pennsylvania is hosting Genograms, Discovering Your Medical History. Many health conditions tend to run in families. This is thought to be due to a complex interaction of genetics, the environment, and personal lifestyle. A genogram is a detailed family medical history pedigree which can help track diseases through multiple generations. This program will discuss how a genogram is constructed, highlight the types of genealogical records that may contain your ancestors' vital health information, explore archaic and sometimes funny medical terminology from past centuries, and offer insights on how to approach living family members about their medical history. Please visit www.hsp.org for additional information. Again, that's Tuesday, February 15th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Our next guests today are Starling from DNA Search Angels on Facebook, Emily and Josh, both from Maine. I found her father with a CM of 232. Nobody would help me. So I had to learn on my own. So I've also learned because of the NPE non-parental event that you have to look at the bigger picture. You can't just because they're high matches. If you're looking into the high matches and nobody can place you, then you have to start looking further down. And that's what I did with Emily. I looked further down and found another way in, I guess you could say. And then when she spoke to her mom, it confirmed everything. But I told her, I said, well, let's just not get your hopes up still. Let's just still wait on the DNA, see what it says. Right. I'm here with you. I just didn't want her to get her hopes up. Have a sister match um, mm -hmm. of third cousins. And they have, they, they found their siblings, but there's a gentleman whose father was adopted. He was in mm -hmm. the orphanage and the orphanage burnt down. It just it's, it speaks Georgia tan all over like the same era. So I have to kind of weed through everything. Nobody can place this child. So that just like screams. I wonder if, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Georgia tan, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of wondering if she had anything to do with it because 5,000 babies, you know, it's yeah. very possible. And then the, the fact that they said an orphanage and it burnt down and I'm like, Hmm. This is Josh, my new dad. It's a long story <laughs> because at the very beginning, I had two possible men that I thought was, was my bio father. Mm -hmm. So we've been through, at least me and my husband have been through a lot trying to find him. And he was right down, like literally 15 minutes away from me this whole time. <laughs> when I was adopted, the caseworker makes a adoption book. And in the adoption book, they put who your bio parents are. 
at least here in Maine, they do. And in my adoption book, it said that my bio father was one name. He was a lot older than my bio mother. So I was like, okay, let me look for this guy. And when I went searching, I found out a little too late that he had passed away. If he was my dad, then I missed any opportunity of knowing him. And his, so his sister, his full-blooded sister agreed to test with me. And we didn't do ancestry. We did like the DNA diagnostics test. It was a test she agreed to pay half on, which I was so thankful for because it's not cheap. It's $350. So she paid half. And I had no idea about ancestry at this point. Unfortunately, I wish I had. She paid half and it came back that he wasn't a match. And my life at that point kind of turned upside down. I was like, I don't even know where to go from here. Cause that's the only name I was given. So I talked to my adopted mom and I said, Hey, what do I do? And she said, contact DHS see what this means. They said this was your bio dad. Did they take a paternity test? So I requested my records. I went in and she showed me my records and it said that he was my dad. And I said, well, I can tell you he's not. Here's the test to prove otherwise. And she was like, oh, oh. And I said, did you guys take a paternity test? And she goes, oh, we didn't do that back then. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, for me, this kind of is ruining my story here that you guys didn't do that because here the thoughts that went through my mind was you could have placed me with this family. That wasn't my family. And that's a really big deal. And also my actual dad never signed his rights away. So there's that legally. Is this even, is this even legal? And she's like, well, that's what we did back then. We just believed the mother, especially since my birth mother was 13 when she got pregnant, 14 when she had me. So they're like, they're, they were like, there can't be multiple names. We're going to take her, her word for it. At this point, Emily's biological mother told her that her father was another man and provided her with his social media account. He had brown hair. He had brown eyes. Um, I didn't have his eye shape like I do him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but otherwise, I kind of looked very similar to him. And I looked like my birth mom a lot. So it was kind of, and Starling's told me, don't go off the looks. I've always been like, Starling, I kind of look like this guy. She's like, don't do it. Don't go off the looks. We're going to find him through your DNA. We waited for results. Uh, and she was all about, she's like, hey, sister. I was like, hey, girl. Like, we were all for it. Um, we, <laughs> when the test results came back, I told her, I said, um, we're not. This We're not. And she said, what? I said, I know. And she's like, what does this mean? I said, girl, I'm just, your bed is as good as mine. So I cried because there's two. And fast forward, I watched a video. And it was of this woman saying, hey, I found my bio dad after 50 something years. I was like, I don't want to wait 50 something years. But he might be dead. I can't do that. So I was like, I've got to do this. I got to buy the test. I talked to my husband. We didn't have the money. We had it in our savings. And he's like, oh, just get it. Just do it. And I said, all right. But if it comes back as nothing, there's another test. So we got the test. And she also said that she joined this Facebook group that we found all found each other through. <laughs> and I was like, I'll, I'll join it. So I joined it and I wrote a post just saying a little bit about my backstory and Starling reached out to me. Emily joined the DNA search angels. DNA search angels is a Facebook group of volunteers that help adoptees find their biological families through the adoptees DNA matches. The group is specific to the United States. Something about her writing, I don't know. Um, I just was drawn to it. So I messaged her in her inbox and I said, I'd love to help you with your journey. And when you get your results back, if you'd like my help, so I can guide you on what to do. 
um, I'd be happy to do that with you. And she said, yeah. And so when her test results came back, I started helping her and she was right on it. We work really good as a team. She was gathering information. Emily here, she was nonstop. She wanted to find this information. And I was like, wow, you're like way ahead of me. Sure, you need an angel? She needed help putting it all together and everything else. She does really good with the research, but it's putting it all together that she needed help with. So we made a really good team. And I was there for her emotionally when she was crying and going up and down with her emotions. Clearly. How did you know my birth mom? Uh, we met at my friend Eric's house. I was doing it for my daughter and I was researching all kinds of stuff. And for some reason, I think I came across a show where I'm into ancestry and stuff. And you watch those like shows and stuff. It had mentioned it. So I had joined. And then from there, I just would like watch what other people post. And I was picking up little things and I had to teach myself when I was doing my daughter's tree and it was 232 CM which was quite low. Nobody would help me. And I was just clueless to everything. I didn't know how to group matches. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. I literally had to teach myself and I wanted to find him. A lot of people don't really realize that the fourth cousin matches and the ones that are further down, that stuff all matters. I would go to the match and it'd say such and such around this age in this location. And I would key it in and find a list of people. And then I would pick the match. And then it would say possible relatives. I'd find the oldest one. And then I would search around in that area for an obituary. Then I'd find obituaries and I would like map it all out, make these little branches. And I had this large tree and I'd make these little branches. And then I would take these branches, and attach it like a puzzle to the main tree until it started making sense. Matter of fact, with Emily's, she had really high matches and found a high third cousin and then kind of worked that tree up. And that's how I found Josh. And before I even knew that her mother knew him, I was like, I believe this is your father. I said, well, it doesn't matter if we test him. He's going to be related no matter what. And it's going to help us in our search. We're really close. I think if Josh gets mother a test, that would help. And then we can really solve her tree completely and fit them all in there. So Josh, how did you feel when Emily reached out to you? I was excited. I was just glad that she went out of her way to find me. I have bad luck. So I'm just lucky that she was able to find me. I am the oldest grandchild of his mom's and I mm -hmm. give her her first great grandchildren. So it's a lot to just out of the blue be like, oh yeah, here's some great grandchildren. Oh, and also it really speaks a lot to your character, Josh, that you welcomed Emily with open arms and yeah. you you guys are forming this relationship. So I just think that's amazing. You know, I, I really do. And I'm so happy for both of you that you found each other and your instant family, which is it's wonderful. It really is. Truly an amazing story. How long was the entire journey? Too long. I started looking for my bio father when I was 15 or 16. And then I had like years where I was like giving up. Like I probably would have found Josh a lot sooner had I done Ancestry and found Starling. But everything happens for a reason. I feel like Starling and I found each other because Starling's not just an angel to me. Starling has kind of taken the place as like a big sister mom figure in my life. Her and I have developed this really, really close bond over this that I don't think 
would have happened otherwise. I would have never met her. I don't think so. Definitely, it happened when it needed to happen. And I think that the the process probably from ancestry it took two months, two months after years. And you're talking about non-parental events and everything else, darling. The work that you guys do over on Search Angels <laughs> is just absolutely amazing. So thank, thank you for what you do. Thank you. Truth I have to that. tell you before you. Like after all this had happened, um, a lot of people were up in my inbox and it's Christmas time. And I had just helped Emily. I gave her like paid for, like she said, over half. And then, you know, I ended up finding out that I was going to have my grandbabies for Christmas. So I'm having to spend more money out. And I had this sweet lady in my inbox. She was trying to get me to help her. All of her matches are on GEDmatch. She didn't have the money for a test. And then lo and behold, I have this other woman in my inbox and I'm misunderstanding her. And she's sitting there saying something about $50. I'm thinking she's wanting me to get her a test, (laughs) but no, she wanted to give me $50 because she's seen where I helped Emily and a search angel had helped her. So I explained to her the story that was going on. I said, I think this is fate. This woman needs a test. So I took the $50 and I bought her a test. It came in today. She has a picture of herself with her DNA test and she's sending it out. Going forward, going forward, Starling and I have decided we're going to have a whole team. We're going to get a whole like logo made. We're going to (laughs) like t-shirt. She is a great, great, you know, she loves to, I can't even DNA duo. Yeah, <laughs> she's a great partner. Is what I was gonna say, she loves to do get that research and stuff, and she's really quick about well, it's it. It's exciting because you want I'm someone just good else at to put it together. I think that the work that you guys do and the help that you give others is just amazing, and you know, yeah. I think that's and that's really what it's all about, isn't it? Just helping other people. Yes, so it is. You can do something you can do that makes you feel really good about yourself. And especially mm-hmm. when it has such amazing results, like it did with oh, Emily right. and Josh. Reclaim the Records is a not-for-profit group who work to identify genealogical records that are not widely available to the public. Using the Freedom of Information Act, They digitize these records and make them free for all to use. Since their founding in 2015, Reclaim the Records has already won the release of tens of millions of records. Visit them at reclaimtherecords.org to view their to-do list and participate. for joining us today. This has been a CNC production recorded and mixed by me, Barbara Jean May. I want to thank our guests who graciously joined us and share their stories. And if you would like to be a guest on our show, please email us at the number two heritage.hunters at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Until next month, have a great one.